Psoriasis presents on the skin, but its true toll on the body is much greater due to the impact on other parts of the body. Hello, I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer, and you're listening to Spotlight On, a special series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. Today, we'll discuss the inflammatory skin disease, psoriasis, and how early diagnosis may help those suffering from the condition avoid its damaging comorbidities, as well as its potential impact on mental health. First, we'll hear from Krista Kellogg, who having seen her mother deal with Palmer plantar psoriasis, knew she'd receive a similar diagnosis the moment her skin began to itch. She takes us through the challenge of dealing with the condition and the lifestyle changes that dramatically impacted her overall health. We'll then hear from Dr. Adam Friedman, professor and chair of dermatology at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. As a practicing dermatologist, Dr. Friedman helps us delve deeper into the underlying conditions associated with psoriasis, the common misdiagnoses, the various treatment options, and the importance of seeing a doctor as soon as you can. Well, Krista, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. You know, in some ways for you, psoriasis has been a family affair. Your mother had psoriasis, didn't she? She certainly did. She had palmar plantar psoriasis and also um, suffered with it in other parts of her body when she was flaring pretty badly. And how did her diagnosis and recognizing kind of the signs and symptoms that you saw for your mother impact when you first started to have signs and symptoms? Did it make it easier or in some ways did it make it harder? Because maybe it wasn't exactly the same. Well, I think it actually was sort of a dreadful confirmation because when I began to have symptoms, I knew exactly what it was. I had watched her struggle for so many years with her disease and her pain and just coping with all of the treatments and just trying to live day to day with chronic disease. And so when I started to get the first signs of flaking and cracking, I knew right away exactly what it was. And my heart sank, to be honest. Did you wait a while to go to the doctor? Kind of what sometimes we call FOFO, fear of finding out, even though you knew (laughs) you didn't want it confirmed. Or did you say, I'm going to go and I'm going to get treated or you took a different approach? So I'm a doctor's daughter and there's a lot of home diagnosis happening (laughs) as a doctor's daughter. And um, so it took a while to make the first official diagnosis because I think my dad knew exactly what it was. I knew exactly what it was. It was a little while before I actually began to search for a physician and begin to get treatment. And then after that, it took me a really quite a few years to find someone who I really could call a physician partner. What were your signs and symptoms to begin with? Because some folks may not be as familiar with it. So talk to us about this, this flaking and the scaling. Where did it occur? So my um, psoriasis is on the palms of my hands and the soles of my feet primarily. So it's palmar plantar psoriasis. And it kind of begins with a little bit of an itch. 
that grows and grows and grows and begins to flake and swell and crack and bleed. So you sort of know by the one little start of the itch that you're in for a flare of some kind. And it's more than just a skin condition. It can cause physical pain. And you talked, you said your mother, you saw her have the pain. What type of pain did you experience physically? It was incredibly painful for both my mother and I. What would happen is that our skin would crack open and we would have fissures on the palms of our hands and the soles of our feet. And so those cracks were open, kind of like a cut or a wound on some very delicate parts of your body and trying to manage that kind of pain while walking and showering and cooking and shaking hands and working and all of those things. It was really quite debilitating. Now, you blog and you've talked openly about your condition, and I read about how you wore gloves, but you cut off the fingertips so you you could do work. Why did you do that? Well, some of the first line of treatment is topical for psoriasis. And so I used a lot of topical steroids and other topicals to manage pain and also reduce the inflammation topically. And so having ointment on your hands and your feet can be really messy and inconvenient to work and drive and do all the things you need to do with your hands. And so my mother and I both use white cotton gloves that we would buy in bulk and wear them and cut off the fingertips so that we could type at work and do all the things that we needed to do just for some protection because having open cuts, open raw skin on your hands, you can be so susceptible to infection. And both of us went through many bouts of cellulitis over the years because keeping your feet and your hands clean is a tall order, especially when your skin is open and raw. Now, psoriasis wasn't the only health condition that you were dealing with. And sometimes we forget that when we talk about psoriasis. People can have other health issues that they might be struggling with as well, which can make psoriasis worse. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what else you were experiencing at the time of your diagnosis of psoriasis? Yes, there are a number of comorbid conditions that are associated with psoriasis, obesity, metabolic syndrome, anxiety and depression, and a number of other things. And in my experience, I kind of had the full bouquet of all of those things. I have had weight issues most of my life, and so I struggled with obesity, and I also had high blood pressure and high blood sugar. My cholesterol levels were not normal. Anxiety and depression were part and parcel of dealing with chronic disease overall, sort of that unmitigated like inflammatory condition is really dangerous. So it's much more than a skin condition. And I experienced many of the things that can come along with psoriasis. How much more difficult did it make treating each of those conditions? Well, I think the most important thing for me is finally finding a physician who understood how to treat the disease specifically with expert care because it is so much more than a skin condition and treating with a topical and even some systemics early on, it wasn't enough for me. And it wasn't enough to just handle the skin part of it. There were all of these other things happening in my body that were related. And so finding someone to help me understand that nutrition and stress relief and lifestyle changes and things of that nature could not only help my psoriasis, but also the other things that I was dealing with. Now we've been spending time talking about the physical manifestations of psoriasis and how it impacted your life physically. How has it impacted your emotional life? Maybe even 
more or equal to as much of an impact as physically. Psoriasis can be a very isolating disease in that not a lot of understanding is out there in the larger community about how serious it can be and how impactful it can be on your life in terms of pain, shame, embarrassment, the hiding, and things of that nature. I was diagnosed in my late 20s, and that's when I first started dating my husband. And so we had a little while where I was clear and blissfully psoriasis free. (laughs) And it was early on in our relationship that I really started to flare and struggle. Issues with intimacy and embarrassment about my skin and having to deal with pain on a daily basis is, is really can be very eroding to building a relationship. So from an intimacy standpoint and a personal relationship standpoint, it was very challenging for us. And it's still from time to time will will rear its head. In terms of with family and friends, sometimes having to explain yourself or that you're you're awfully tired or you're in too much pain to participate in family events and and other events that people want you to be at, or you have to leave early, or you don't have the right shoes, or you're exhausted from carrying your disease around, can feel exhausting. And so that's a very wearing part of the disease as well. Well, how are you able to find support? Through a number of different avenues, I think one of the most important things about if you're first diagnosed or dealing with this disease is that you don't have to go it alone. You know, there's so much information out there. And there's so much community to be had. And I think there's so much healing in community, which is really important. And so I became involved with the National Psoriasis Foundation as a member and a patient very early on, just looking for information and community and other people like me who were suffering and needed answers. And so I became involved, you know, back then it was the message boards and I started going to conferences and became more involved and after a while, uh, joined the board of directors and became the chair. And I still am very much involved in the organization. Uh, The friends and the physicians and the partners that I've met over the years have supported me unbelievably just in terms of treatments, emotional support, and being able to advocate and serve others with this disease and help people understand how serious it can be is, is really important to me. Tell us how you're doing today. I'm doing so well today. I feel so grateful to be here. And in some ways, I sometimes question whether I should be writing about this or talking about it because I feel I'm in remission. Sometimes my mom and I joke, oh my gosh, don't say you're in remission. Don't talk about it. Don't jinx it. But I feel just absolutely grateful and so blessed to feel as well as I do today. I've made a lot of changes over the last several years that I think are contributing to my health and the remission of my psoriasis. Can you tell us about some of those changes? Why why are you doing so well today? I'm happy to hear it, but what what can we learn from you as listeners? Oh my gosh. Well, sometime in 2015, 2016, I had a pretty scary stomach bleed. It sent me to the emergency room and that was kind of the flashpoint for me in terms of my overall health being really in not great shape. That was really the bottom in terms of awakening me to the fact that I needed to make some changes in my life to be well. I started with making a plan to leave my job, reduce my stress in my life and make a change there. Started a weight loss journey that started in 2018. And over the course of several years, I've dropped 140 pounds. Wow. Congratulations. 140 pounds. Yes. 140 pounds. That in and of itself has been remarkable and I think has contributed to my overall wellness. I've been able to get off my blood pressure medication. I'm not on proton pump inhibitors anymore. And all my blood work is normal and my psoriasis, of course, is clear. And so, you know, nutrition changes, activity, stress reduction, all of these lifestyle changes have really made an incredible impact on my life. I mean, I just feel 
the most well I ever had. And, you know, every body is different. Everybody's journey is different and people need medication and we're lucky to have it. And um, I think that all of these other things of lifestyle change can be a complement to so many different modalities and, and, and amazing drugs that are on the market. We'll be back with more from Krista Kellogg after a quick break. And now, back to our interview with Krista. What would you say to a listener who's struggling with psoriasis, who's had a difficult journey, who, like you, has other health issues that they need to address, and and maybe they're not focused as much on their skin right now, recognizing we know it's much more than that. What's your advice to them, Krista? I think that understanding that psoriasis is more than a skin condition is one of the most important pieces because that inflammation unmitigated in your body can be so, so dangerous. And so understanding the disease and the ramifications that it has on your body is critically important. That's the first thing. The second thing is that if you find a physician who is expert in medical dermatology, they can help you to understand the impact of the disease and work with you to find treatments that work specifically for you. And then you don't have to go it alone. You know, there's a community out there of people that are just like you, suffering, not knowing how to make a change, not really understanding the impact of this disease. And you just have to start to take care of yourself. Do you feel people treat you differently when you're having a flare and they might see a certain skin manifestation Versus when they don't see you and and think everything is, quote, normal. I think so. I mean, when I'm really flaring, I don't just have it on my hands and on my feet. It is in my scalp. And so I'm flaking and it's on my clothes and it's on me and I'm leaving shreds of skin in places and my my bedside table. And um, people recoil from that, you know, and there isn't a definitely a stigma associated with um, skin disease and things that, you know, maybe that you appear dirty or things of that nature. So I certainly have had people move away from me. How'd that make you feel when you, when you experience that? Oh, just so lonely, just so lonely that people would move away as opposed to moving forward. (laughs) You know, we all want to be moving forward with each other and connecting Do you ever want to shout out and say something to them? Like, hey, I'm not a leper. This is not contagious. Wow. (laughs) Yes, but I don't think I've ever done that, to be honest. It's not exactly my personality. I think that my advocacy and working to serve for others with the disease, writing about it, talking about it here, working with the National Psoriasis Foundation to really help hammer home how serious of a disease it can be, that's my way of shouting. Get people educated and say we need to educate them. That's right. Where can people learn more about what you're doing, Krista? Well, I'm so honored to keep up my blog with WebMD. You all are so kind to allow me to keep writing. And so they can certainly find me on the WebMD blogs and doing that work there. Several years ago, I started a business with my business partner called Center Content. And we do mindful marketing, content, coaching, and consulting here in Miami and in Massachusetts. So you can find us there. Well, Krista, thank you for sharing your story today and and helping people understand what the journey like psoriasis can be and that you don't have to be alone. Thank you. It's a pleasure. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. 
Joining me to discuss the need for early diagnosis is Dr. Adam Friedman. He's professor and chair of dermatology at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences in Washington, D.C. Dr. Friedman, thanks for taking time today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, we've heard the story about delayed diagnosis. Patients have a rash. Sometimes they even have a family member who has had psoriasis, but still it's not top of mind. Why is that? One of our greatest threats to getting at patients who really need to be managed holistically is the sense that a skin disease is just that. It's involving just the skin. It's just a rash. I I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. It's just a pimple. Just put some salve on it, throw some Windex, what have you, (laughs) and that's the end of the day. And it'll go away, right? Oh yeah, and it'll it'll go go away forever. It's like treating strep throat. It's done, you know, seven days and you never have to worry about it again. And those misperceptions are harmful because we know so many chronic inflammatory diseases like psoriasis come with systemic baggage, holistic baggage, in that chronic inflammation is bad for everything, uh, every organ system. And, And that's really where comorbidities, other medical problems that have been linked to psoriasis, and and literally almost every medical condition you can think of has been at this point. Psoriasis has really become the poster child for skin disease with comorbidities. That's where early detection intervention can really make a big difference to limiting how that systemic inflammation affects the rest of the body. But Dr. Friedman, that's a new way of thinking. And as you know, I'm an internal medicine physician. You know, I'm going to be honest, some of my colleagues, they won't talk to patients with psoriasis about the fact that it increases heart disease risk. So you mentioned about comorbidities. We now know that psoriasis is what we call a cardiovascular risk equivalent, isn't it? Correct. Which means we may need to manage your risk differently for heart disease. It's other conditions because it's this inflammatory process that many folks still don't recognize and understand because as you said, they're thinking, oh, it's it's just a rash. But it's also progressive, meaning that it, it can get worse and, and usually does get worse if it's not treated. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. From the skin perspective, you know, un- not treating psoriasis could lead to it progressively expanding and getting worse. There's really no way to predict that. There's no biomarker that allows us to track this. However, when we think about psoriatic arthritis, which is historically the number one comorbidity we think about, we document roughly about a third of psoriasis patients will develop this really destructive and disabling arthritis. It's probably more than that. Getting at that early, just like other comorbidities, is very important because the longer you wait to manage it, the more damage occurs and you can't unfortunately go back in time. Though there is some data showing that certain therapies can reverse some of the damage, but we don't wanna bank on that. We wanna make sure that that doesn't happen in in the first place. So I, I think that consideration is so important that early recognition and interventions, the two are really important to preventing these issues. So what do people look for in terms of, hey, this might be psoriasis, because it's not going to be the first thing that they're thinking about, that they have a rash. And and let's be realistic. Most people are going to put something on it, maybe some hydrocortisone early on, and it might go away, right? 
but then it comes back. So how do they know, hmm, I better go see a doctor about this. It could be psoriasis. I I think that is an incredible question. One, I don't think we have a perfect answer for. I think to your point, a rash pops up, you use something over the counter, a home remedy, uh, and certainly anything anti-inflammatory, especially with mild disease, it may improve. I think certainly the chronicity should be the first red flag, something that comes and goes. Uh, To that end, I think one of the biggest educational issues I see with patients is not preparing them for that chronicity, that chronic course, in that all patients come in and say, well, I have this rash, I was given this cream, and it didn't work. I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Well, it went away, but it came back. The fact that it came back suggests that there's a failure. It's The failure was not understanding the role of a topical anti-inflammatory like a topical steroid, that it treats what's there it doesn't prevent necessarily from coming back because if it's chronic, it will come back. And I think that's the point. If someone has a quote unquote rash that keeps coming and going, I think that's a, a good reason to think about seeing a healthcare professional, a dermatologist, focusing in specific on psoriasis. And I think this opens up a bigger conversation about the diversity of clinical presentations Depending even on skin tone, let alone different locations in the body, psoriasis will look different. The kind of historic or Google imaged search psoriasis of the kind of really thick, scaly, pink, well sharply cut off demarcated plaques on the elbows and knees is one of many clinical presentations. You know, scalp disease, groin, armpits, it will look different there. But then when you throw in different skin tones, what appears pink on lighter skin will appear maybe purple, brown or black, or even off-white on darker skin. So it really shouldn't be on the sufferer to really to say, oh, I, I have psoriasis. We know from early epidemiology studies in terms of trying to find how prevalent psoriasis is, it was based on calling individuals and asking, hey, do you have psoriasis? And they're like, no, I don't have psoriasis but they have a rash and they don't know what to call it. So I I think chronicity is a good reason to get someone to come in and evaluate. What about, I'm sure you've heard this, I don't have psoriasis, I have eczema. How do you respond to that? Well, they might be correct. um, And I think that's where clinical inspection can be helpful, but is not always helpful. Dermatology is a visible field. Walking through the door, it would be lovely to just look at someone and say, oh, automatically I know you have this. That's not typically how it works. Atypical is often more typical when it comes to clinical presentations, even of common diseases. But some of the kind of defining features between eczema and psoriasis, location, there are some prototypical locations in terms of where this disease likes to present. I mentioned psoriasis likes to be kind of sharply cut off, well-demarcated rashes where the difference between normal skin and, and involved skin is very well-defined. Eczema, not often, unless you're talking about a contact dermatitis, outside influence on the skin. But then it's the non-kind of classic thing. So psoriasis, for example, can have nail involvement, pitting, early separation of the nail plate from the skin underneath, giving a yellowing appearance, the potential for arthritis. Tell us the location again. Remind us the location. They can have similar locations, but psoriasis tends to have a predilection for elbows, knees, buttocks, but it certainly can occur anywhere. We have subtypes of psoriasis like SIBO psoriasis, which affects the scalp and ears, inverse psoriasis, which affects the underarms or the groin or even the genitals. But I think the, to be honest, the well cut off nature to me is a little more telling, but even to the most trained eye, 
psoriasis and, and eczema or atopic dermatitis, most common form of eczema, they can look very similar and it can be a challenge sometimes. You mentioned the chronicity and how it comes back often. That's a sign that you should go in to see the doctor. But let's also be practical. I'm sure you and I both have seen patients that have waited years to come in because it comes and goes. So how long do they wait? Three months, six months? If there's four episodes a year, you're talking about the importance of early diagnosis. So that means gets in. But sometimes it's hard to get in to, to see someone. So you think, oh, I'll just wait. It goes away. Now I forgot about it. It comes back and it keeps doing that. But what's that cutoff point kind of in your mind? Honestly, I think it's different for everyone. And certainly impact on quality of life, I think, is a big driver of that. Now, aside from that, if we're thinking about the recurrent nature of disease, that's also different from every psoriasis patient. So I, I think... Those patients who take years to come in, usually those are those who will have a, you know, a presentation, an eruption. They will maybe self-treat or they'll go to urgent care. They'll get the classic trimcinolone, which is like the go-to topical steroid for ERs and urgent cares. It'll get better. And then maybe it comes back a couple months. And so I think that those are the trickier cases because of how spaced out it is. It may not be so burdensome. But I would say if, if a rash that pops up and it comes back at least two or three times and you treat it and it comes back, I, I think it's worth getting checked out because there are even more concerning eruptions that just look like eczema or psoriasis that could be more concerning like cutaneous T-cell lymphoma that we don't want to miss. So I think at least three bouts would be a good reason to come in, but there's no set guidance, unfortunately. But certainly if it reoccurs, you want to be thinking about going to see the doctor and not letting years go by, because to your point, it's progressive, that it can get worse. It's not a one-time incident. We talked about the risk of, of heart disease and other health issues, but we've heard from many folks about the mental health impact of psoriasis. And, and you had a great line early on. You said, oh, it's just a, it's just a skin condition, right? But we know the impact that when your skin looks different, the impact it can have on mental health, partly sometimes from the response from other people that see it. What has been your experience with patients of the impact of psoriasis on their mental health? So it's a, a, a doubling down, so to speak, in that one, to your point, skin disease is visible. It is ostracizing. It is disabling. I, I think in general, the public assumes you have something that's scaly, meaning dry appearing or red or inflamed, that it's got to be something infectious, especially nowadays. And, and so that feeling of everyone slowly moving away from you on the subway or the bus certainly adds to that burden and that, you know, that impact on confidence. So there is an indirect effect of the disease itself on quality of life, on mental health. But then there's the biological impact. The various immune factors and players that are increase inappropriately in psoriasis, and this goes for many inflammatory diseases, they can directly affect your mental well-being. They can cross the blood-brain barrier and affect how you feel, how you think. Psoriasis is an independent risk factor for depression, for suicidal ideation, based on the biology, forgetting even the impact of having a visible skin disease uh, that sets you apart from, from your peers. How important is genetics? 
when we talk about psoriasis. How does that play into someone's mind? Hmm, this could be psoriasis and I, I need to get in and be diagnosed and treated. So it's definitely a piece of the puzzle. I say for most things, it's nature and nurture because just as psoriasis, we know there are certain what are called susceptibility alleles, meaning genetics that increase the risk for someone having or developing psoriasis. We also know that's not enough, that some of these susceptibility genes are heavily expressed in certain demographics that don't get a lot of psoriasis. So I think it's both, but that's something we always ask patients. Anyone in your family have psoriasis, and this is well beyond psoriasis, atopic dermatitis, hydranice separativa, even acne. You know, if there's a strong family history of severe acne, that's a higher likelihood that your patient is also going to have severe acne. So it certainly helps guide the discussion and determine what we can potentially expect, but genetics is not enough. But your point, if you have family members who have similar rashes, that can certainly indicate uh, that you too will have it or you have the same thing. Once again, you should get in to see somebody. What about the mindset Dr. Friedman, that I got it under control. It's only a few times a year. And then that's increasing the risk for cardiovascular disease. That's increasing the risk for arthritis. That's creating the risk, you know, for other health conditions that isn't on their mind right now. It's 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 just a rash, Dr. Friedman. Yeah, I know I I, I combat this misperception quite frequently. So I use the analogy of the iceberg that you see what's above the water, which would be the skin rash, but you may not see the extent of that megalith, that mountain of ice that's under the water. And that that's really psoriasis and many other inflammatory diseases that even if your skin looks normal, if I were to take a sample of your skin, if I would take a biopsy, it may not be normal. There may already be inflammation in the skin that if let, if allowed, would develop into a plaque of psoriasis. That inflammation may be teeming throughout the body, even though the skin looks clear. And so I think it's important to recognize that just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening deeper down, causing damage that can lead to problems down the road. Uh, and this is not just true of psoriasis. It's, it's true of many other chronic inflammatory diseases. And, and I think most patients can really jump on board with that understanding that this is not just a skin condition. This is a systemic disease that has a big presence in the skin too. I do like that analogy of the iceberg. I'm going to use it. I thought you were going to use some Titanic uh, uh, point. <laughs> well, we don't want but them to be the that, Titanic. No, That's don't. the idea. No, we don't. That, that, that is. But it's also this concept that we like to, as you know, joke in, in medical school, whenever you ask medical students, what's the largest organ? And you get chuckles. You know, the answer is the skin. The skin is actually an organ, but people don't think of it that way. So in some ways, if I told patients their liver was diseased, they would be very focused on getting accurate diagnosis and getting aggressive treatment. But when we say your skin has a condition, it, it's not viewed as serious. But what we're learning today from you is that it is a serious condition, which requires early diagnosis to prevent the complications that can come later in life, right? It's not going to happen six months later, your complications. This is about, you know, the, the impact over time, correct? Yeah, absolutely. What's your message to listeners who are concerned 
that they may have psoriasis or have a recurrent rash or recently diagnosed with psoriasis. Now, now we could be making them, you know, uh, a little worried in, in a way. <laughs> we're talking about, you know, other conditions and we're thinking of the iceberg now. What, what, what's your message to them, Dr. Friedman? Yeah, no, we're, we're certainly not trying to use scare tactics or, or fear mongering. The message is help is out there that board certified dermatologists are here to help, that we have expertise in over 3,000 skin, hair, and nail diseases. And most importantly, the tools we have to manage these chronic diseases are extraordinary. Never before in the history of dermatology do we have so many safe and very effective treatment options, especially for psoriasis. You know, the issue today is not, oh, what do we have? It's what do we choose? There are almost too many effective options, which for the from the perspective of the patient, that's always a good thing. That means access to therapy is going to be greater. So I, I think there's this mentality of like, oh, I have this this syndrome, this systemic disease. I just want to curl up in a ball. No, there is actually very a very large number of options that could be appropriate for any number of patients. And so once again, it's about getting in, getting the help that you deserve, because there there is certainly plenty of help out there. Dr. Friedman, I want to thank you for helping us understand why it's important to recognize what could be psoriasis, get that early diagnosis to get that effective treatment that's going to be best for you. So thank you. My pleasure. A big thank you to Krista Kellogg and Dr. Adam Friedman for being part of our show today. And to all of you for listening to Spotlight On our special edition of the Health Discovered podcast. You can read Krista's blog post on WebMD.com and find her marketing agency, Center Content, at CENcontent.com. And you can find more information about Dr. Friedman at GWDocs.com. I'm Dr. John White, the Chief Medical Officer for WebMD, reminding you that better information leads to better health. Until next time.